From Deuteronomy 33:27, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The Eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you, and will say, "Destroy." 
May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Good to see you all on this beautiful Sabbath day. And thank you for that nice song. When we think of what Jesus has done for us, we should want to devote ourselves completely to him, shouldn't we? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you this morning for your great love to us in this very evil and mixed up world, very dangerous world. Uh, but we thank you, Lord, for your promises. We know trouble is coming, but we don't know, we don't want to focus our attention upon the trouble. And we can see trouble everywhere in the world. Hundreds of thousands of refugees people who have no place to go, people who are on the move and don't know exactly where they're going. And not because of their own choice, but because they have been disrupted by um, evil governments. And I just pray, Father, that as the trouble eventually comes here, and we thank you, Lord, that we've been spared Help us to take advantage of this spared time that we have had to, uh, to lift you up and to help those who are oppressed. Thank you, Lord, for giving us uh, an understanding of your word and for the promises that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I changed the title of my sermon this morning to Our Faithful Companions. Same sermon. And while I was eating breakfast this morning, I was thinking about changing it again. <clears throat> so you never know. <laughs> but we know one thing, the Lord is good. Before Jesus returns, returned to his Father, he made an awesome promise to his disciples. And you know, as we look around and we see what's going on, it's absolutely amazing that we still have peace here. Because when you look out there and listen to the nightly news, there isn't a whole lot of peace in the world. I mean, just look at the, even the political candidates. They're probably meaner and more hateful than I think they've ever been in my lifetime. Plus, you look at the terrible displacement of people over in the various communist countries and Muslim countries, the sadness. They have, as far as this world is concerned, no hope. And here we are in a situation of basic peace and prosperity. We actually talk about inflation. We don't know what inflation is. Just look around the world and you see what inflation really is. But it's coming. 
because the Bible says that all the world is going to wonder after the beast, and there is going to be trouble everywhere with nobody spared. But the awesome promise that Jesus made before he left here is found in Matthew 28, 20, and it says, Lo, what else does it say? <clears throat> I am with you always. Who is I? <clears throat> and how long is always? That's right. And even unto what? The end of the world, right? And that's when Jesus comes again. And so he made a promise to us that he was not going to leave us comfortless. He is going to be with us if we put our trust in him forever. Now, who is this Jesus that can make such a promise? I mean, a promise that he can actually back up. Anybody can make promises. But turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 1 and 1 to 3. Can he back up his promises? Does he back up his promises? Well, I believe he does. But it doesn't mean that we don't face troubles and difficulties because Jesus himself faced trials and difficulties and he said that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not from him. No, he's going to be with us always even through the trials and the difficulties. And he has told us that if we follow him, we will have trials. <clears throat> and that we will have hardships because the world will hate his people as much as they hated Jesus. <clears throat> and if they hated him, he said, they will also hate you. And if they give me a hard time, they will give you a hard time. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. If they were willing to put me to death, king of kings and lord of lords, they'll put you to death too. But even in that, he says, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. He that is faithful unto death shall receive what? A crown, A crown of life. Praise the Lord for that. So Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet. Who spoke? <clears throat> has in these last days spoken to us by who? That's right, <clears throat> his son, whom he has appointed heir of how many things? By whom also he made what? The worlds. Who being in the brightness of his what? The brightness of God's glory. No one has ever seen God. To see him in our sinful condition we are told, would be to cease to exist. But Jesus is in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. It's almost like they're identical twins, doesn't it? And upholdeth um, all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's the one who says that he will never leave us or forsake us. That's the one who says, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he is capable of fulfilling that. <clears throat> when you go home, you can read the rest, part, the rest uh, 
remaining part of Hebrews chapter 1. It's all real good. It shows how he works with the angels to carry out um, this mission, this purpose. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So you have in that Jesus, a special person. What does it say in John 1? It says, um, how does it start? The same was in the beginning with God. That means the same, that's Jesus, right? Okay, Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. And it was life. Right? And the, and the word, in verse 14, did what? No, he became flesh. Same thing. And he dwelt among us. <laughs> yeah. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And so that same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will so come in like manner as we have seen him go up into heaven. Isn't that a good promise? <clears throat> so in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. I wonder what that means. What does the word complete mean? Should be satisfied, happy, complete, right? Do we feel complete in Jesus? We need to, don't we? If we don't, then we need to um, correct things while it's still possible to correct because Jesus is coming soon and the time will come when there'll be no turning back. And so we are complete in him. Are we complete in um, our status in society? No. Are we complete because we have all the possessions that we want and everything is really sharp and cool and up to date in our life? That doesn't make us complete. No, it says we are complete in him. And so if we're complete in him, we should be able to go to sleep at night satisfied, right? Because he has promised to take care of us and never leave us. And if we're complete in him, we're not striving to be rich. We're not striving to be powerful. We're not striving for status. We're not striving for anything as far as this world is concerned. And so what we have we have, but we shouldn't be striving for these kinds of things because he says we are complete in him. So it says be happy. Jesus loves you and he is your savior. Now, what do these promises have for us today? question. What has always carried Christians through their trials and persecutions? Always. And Christians have been persecuted forever. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. Their, their belief in Jesus 
that their belief that Jesus was with them and would never leave them and understood the trials and difficulties that they're going through. Now Jesus promises that his faithful followers will never be left alone. And there's a part, you know, that we have to pay to play. Faithful followers. He makes that pretty clear over in John 14. Turn with me to John 14, if you would. Now, the free gift is free. <clears throat> Otherwise, it wouldn't be a free gift. <clears throat> but as we receive that free gift, what does the Lord think about loyalty? Can we receive the free gift and all the blessings from the Lord and, and be at war with him? Can we receive of his gifts and hate him? Can we receive of his free gifts and take him for granted? <clears throat> Can we receive of his free gift and just do what we please anytime we want to? I think, you know, no. So then is it a free gift or are we paying for it? Loyalty isn't something you pay. Loyalty is something that you give because you love somebody. And so loyalty is what we give back to God because we love him. But he first loved us. And as a result of him first loving us, we can see what love is. And we kind of have the idea that it feels good to be loved, right? Especially by our Heavenly Father. And so in John 14, 1 to 3, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. <clears throat> so, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Why would you have a troubled heart, you see? Now, I'm not claiming perfection myself. This is for all of us, including myself. So he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to say, In my Father's house there are many mansions, many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come again. Now, it's not just that we're looking forward to him coming again. Because what we're talking about here is that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So, he really hasn't gone anywhere. But he is coming back in majesty someday to take over this world. But Jesus has promised to be with us through it all, from the beginning to the end. Notice in, uh, let's see, let's take a look at verse 13 here. He's having a discussion with his disciples. This is Jesus' last day on earth. And he, he's talking to them. They're asking him a lot of questions. He's trying to answer those questions. 
so that they will have peace. And he says in verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do it. So he's telling them, look, you know, we're, we're going to be in communication with each other. I'm not just walking out on you and leaving you for a couple thousand years. Hope you do okay. No. He says, Whosoever, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And he says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now you can see the context here, and you can't just lift words out of the context and have them making any sense. So what he's saying is, my, my mission and my purpose throughout everything in the New Testament is to glorify my Father which is in heaven. And we're all a part of this. And so if you ask anything in my name that will glorify the Father in heaven, then we can work together, and together I will work with you, and I will do it to answer your requests. And if you love me, keep my commandments. One Sabbath afternoon, I was sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I kept thinking, you know, the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, who gave the Ten Commandments in the first place? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus did. <clears throat> but he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it seemed like in the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, he's sort of giving an updated modern version of what it meant to keep his commandments. He didn't just say, thou shalt not kill. He said, if you hate your brother, you've already committed that crime. So he's updated the commandments to be more specific so that we could understand what it means. It's not just, thou shalt not commit adultery. It means if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. And so it's an internal thing. And Jesus was internalizing it. And you know, I went through the book of Matthew and I just wrote down every command that Jesus wrote and I came up with about 50. And they're all condensed down to 10. But when you, when you uh, work them out to 50, it, it, it covers the nitty-gritty of everyday life. And so Jesus is saying, basically, if you love me and you follow me and it is your will to be in me and have me in you, then this will all work out. And you will become as I want you to be. So if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. He shall give you another comforter. Um, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Third person, right? He may abide. Okay. Uh, and it says, even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. 
for he dwelleth with you, present tense, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, he says. So he, third person, will not, uh, he dwelleth with you, and I will come to you. Get a little while, and the world seeth me no more. The world doesn't see him anymore. But he says, ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. One of his disciples said, Lord, uh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? The world, this is just a lot of nonsense as far as the world is concerned. But we know that Jesus has promised never to leave us or forsake us, and so we know that he fulfills his promises, right? The world knows nothing of what we're talking about this morning. As far as what we're talking about this morning, the world considers this just a myth, nothing but a fairy tale. And so Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. That's like my commandments. And uh, if a man, he, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. Jesus said, My Father and I are going to come and make our abode with you. That's why I changed my sermon to our faithful companions. Anyway, that's, that's what he said. The Lord knows that to ask us to keep his sayings is more than we can possibly do. If you love me, keep my commandments. He knows we can't do it. And so he says, basically, let's do it together. You can't do it. You're not strong enough to do it. Your addictions will overpower you. Your bad habits will overpower you. Even your will will not be in the right way, in the right place. But he says, if you will be with me, we will do it together. And you will come out victorious in the end. Because we did it together. Forget it if we don't want to do it with Christ. We just, we won't do it at all. Because it can't happen. So there's a mysterious, mysterious oneness between God and the believer. Is there not? 
a mysterious wonder. In John 14, 17, it says, He dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 18, it says, I will come to you. In verse 20, he says, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And uh, verse 23, he says, we will come to him and make our home with him. Now you can take that to the bank because Jesus said it. He says, I will never leave you. In Testimonies to Ministers, page 519, it says this. It says, Christ's love for his children is tender and strong. And it is stronger than death. For he died to purchase our salvation and to make us one with him, she says, mystically and eternally one. That's why I said a mystical oneness. When I said that, you thought to yourself, he's getting into mysticism. No, I'm not. She said it. I didn't say it. I'm just repeating <laughs> what inspiration says. It, and, and, and all it means is, mystically, that means it's, it's, um, it's mysterious. We can't explain it. We don't know how to explain it. We're not supposed to even know how to explain it. The person I heard once say, if you can explain it, then it's not true. Because you're not supposed to be able to explain these eternal things. You accept them by faith. You don't explain it. When people keep saying it needs to be explained, 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 yeah, to a certain extent you can. You can, you can explain and understand the, the overall picture. But when it gets down to the spiritual details, you have to accept it by faith because he said it. And it's only because he said it that you can accept it by faith. And so it goes on. <clears throat> he died to purchase our salvation and to make us one with him mystically and eternally one. Eternally, forever. <clears throat> so strong is his love that it controls all his powers and employs the vast resources of heaven in doing his people good. And so even when trials and difficulties and persecutions come upon us, you know, we can, we can look to Jesus. And that's what he's telling us to do. Look to Jesus. So this in Christ relationship is a reoccurring theme in the Bible. It's just everywhere, especially in Ephesians. It's just all over Ephesians. But notice Galatians, as Christ was, Christ lives, he says, in me. That's what he says. Galatians 2.20, Christ lives in me. Uh, Galatians, Galatians 4.6, God has sent Forth, the spirit of his son into our hearts. 5.16 Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Powerful. Ephesians 1.7 In him we have redemption through his blood. 1.11 In him we have obtained an inheritance. 6. 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what it says. In Philippians 1.20, Christ will be manifested in my body. Paul says this. Paul says, 
And this is all Paul speaking. He says, Christ will be manifested in my body. In other words, what I do, I, I should manifest Christ. In five, uh, two five, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also where? In Christ Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, turn with me over to Colossians 2. And I think that Colossians is a special book for the end time. Because over and over again, in several places, in that little short book, it talks about send this to the church of Laodicea. Send this book to the church of Laodicea. What are we? Are we? What church are we? The church of Laodicea. And so he says over and over again, send this to the church of, Cla of Laodicea, which means for us, this is a special book, Colossians. Now in Colossians uh, 6, 2 to 10, let's see, chapter 6. I said chapter 2, didn't I? 2, 6 to 10. It says, We have therefore, as we have therefore received Jesus Christ the Lord, or Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him, Jesus. And established in the faith of Jesus, that is. As ye have been taught, abounding Therein with thanksgiving. Beware now, beware. <clears throat> beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. In other words, the devil comes in and he tries to get us mixed up in the philosophy of the world, in the vain deceit of the world, the foolishness, the fantasy land stuff and the rudiments of the world, he says, no, you've got to avoid those things and be in Christ. For in him, for in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, and ye are complete in him, in Christ. You'd almost have to ask yourself, who else do you need? We're complete in Jesus, which is the head of all principalities and powers. He's the one in charge of everything. And in chapter 3, in verse, um, let's see, 11, he says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, I'm glad that we have a diversified, a diversified church of many different ethnic backgrounds. That's good. Because as far as heaven is concerned, we're all the same. And if it's not that way in our hearts, then we're not walking with Jesus. Um, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but all is, but Christ is all and in all. He's, he's all and in all. Is Jesus important? Yes. He is. Do we take him for granted? 
We probably do. <clears throat> Hebrews 13 and verses 5 and 6 says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness. So your conversation in the old King James Version is the same as your, your life. Let your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Now, in the philosophy of the world that we were just talking about, <clears throat> you're, never, you're never happy. And if you're on Facebook, you're being constantly bombarded with buy this, buy that, Amazon this, Amazon that. You can all get it right there. Just a few seconds and it'll be there the next day. You know, it's, it's all about materialism. You're never happy. He says, be content with such things as you have. Now, I'm not talking about... Um, a young couple that just gets married, you know, yeah, they're going to have to have a place to live. They're going to have to have some furniture and stuff like that. It's not talking about that. <clears throat> it's talking about when things get out of control and we become materialistic in our thinking. Be content with such things as you have, for he has said, <clears throat> okay, now, why are you content with such things as you have? Why? Because he has said, what did he say? He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And what he's implying by this is, you should be happy with the fact that I'm telling you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do unto me. We're getting close to the end here, and it says in the education, page uh, 257, it says, the compassion that God manifests toward us, he bids us manifest toward, what do you think the next word is? Others. <laughs> That's right. He has showed us love and compassion. He has helped us along the way. Now he wants us to go out there and do the same thing. And we can be to others as Christ is to us. And Christ wants to be that to others as well. But there's a lot of people who have ups and downs, trials and difficulties, young, middle-aged, older. We all need that, don't we? We all need to give it and we all need to receive it. It says, let the impulsive, the self-sufficient, the revengeful, Behold the meek and lowly one who is Jesus. Let them behold Jesus. Led as a lamb to the slaughter, unretaliating as a sheep dumb before her shears, let them look upon him whom our sins have pierced and our sorrows burdened, and they will learn to endure to forbear, to, <clears throat> to forgive. Through faith in Christ, every deficiency of character may be supplied. Every defilement cleansed, every fault corrected, every excellence developed, ye are complete in him. That's true, isn't it? Complete in him. And so our last passage will be 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. 
Second Corinthians five fourteen. <clears throat> This is what it says. <clears throat> Our last passage of Scripture. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what it said. We're all dead. Dead in our shoes, dead on our feet. But Christ died for all. And, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we live for Christ. We live for Jesus. That's what we're to do. He says, occupy till I come. So he says, we live for him. And then in verse 17, therefore... If uh, any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, because he and his father were one, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, that means not applying their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And the reason why he doesn't um, uh, impute or apply our trespasses to us is because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and he is now our sin bearer. So he bears our sins. That means he took our place. That means he took the penalty of our sins upon himself, and he's saying, if you will accept me and follow me in loyal obedience, I will be with you, and we will do it together, and you will be my witness. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he has made him to be sin for us who know no sin. And he's asking us to be reconciled to God. So this morning, if there is anyone here who is living in sin, this is an opportunity to turn to Jesus because Jesus is the only answer to our sins. And you know what? The three angels' messages is righteousness by faith and verity. That's the three angels' messages. It's not all about Babel and the Pope and all this type of thing. There's some elements in that, but that's only the counterfeit. The true is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, 
you know, let's, let's uh, think about ourselves and let's think of who we are and who we're putting our trust in. Jesus is coming soon and he wants us to be ready. He doesn't want a single one in this auditorium. He doesn't want a single one anywhere to be lost. And he has made ample provision for our sins. How many would say to me, I want to be ready when Jesus comes? Praise the Lord. Let's turn in our hymnals to our closing song. For those who need the hymnal, it's um, 547.